welcome in to the Golden Hour, Episode 2, brought to you by Hockey615. It was brought to my attention last week that I failed to introduce myself alongside my wonderful co-host Ricky Madrinsky and producer Martin Strobel. I uh, failed to intro myself. I, Full disclosure, I do have a podcasting for dummies book up in my room. I should probably dust that off and break it open before I fail to introduce myself again again this week. That'd be for the best. Uh, my name is Austin Ivison, and I will be uh, the other co-host along with Ricky uh, taking you on this journey of of hockey love this week. It is a pleasure to meet you, Austin. <laughs> well, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's it is. But that's, that's the kind of that's the kind of team player I am. I didn't want any of the credit last week. I wanted it or all the or any of the blame. I wanted it all to go to you guys. There you go. That's a that's, that's a loyal nice. teammate. That's fair. Yeah, that's I fair. mean, I, 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 like I said, that's that's the hockey mentality right there. Is that none of the credit to yourself, all the credit to everybody else. That's right. There's no I in team. Exactly. That's what they say. So let me just go ahead before we get jump uh, before we jump into this. Uh, quick shout out to I'm, I'm sure you heard that wonderful intro music uh, as we were coming in. Shout out to uh, Mr. Jordan Tupper, the director of instrumental music up at Pope John Paul II High School. I probably shouldn't mention their name in here, but I did it anyways. He is the one who recorded that one. So thank you, Mr. Tupper. He is also an avid, avid Predators fan, season ticket holder. Um, he'll be going to a bunch of the playoff games, and it's making me jealous already because he keeps talking to me about it, and I haven't been to one yet. So future wow. future listener, I hope. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I told so. him. I told him about well. you know this, and I told him where to find it. And so, hopefully, he listened to the first one, and hopefully, he listened to this one. He got to hear his wonderful intro music with the gold on the ceiling, and uh, I like it. I love it. Hybrid there. I thought it was excellent. It was fantastic. Well, thank you, thank you, Mr. Tupper. Is that is that did I say that Tupper? Right? Tupper, like Tupperware. Just okay. Tupperware. Thank okay. you, Mr. Tupper. That was that was beautiful. I didn't hear it. Well, I heard it, but not before the podcast intro because we're recording it live. So right. I'm right. A, through the magic of uh, computers and technology, I'm gonna throw that thing in at the end. Well, let's not let's not waste any time. Uh, let's dive right into it here. We've got uh, let's we're we'll going to talk about Predators Avs game one very game one game two very quickly. Uh, but uh, we'll save the bulk of the time for game three, if you could call it a game. Uh, as as of the time of recording, uh, Tuesday it was played last night on Monday. Uh, so we'll spend the bulk of the time on that, but quickly into games one and game two. Game one, uh, Preds got off to a slow start. Spoiler alert, that's going to become a theme. And uh, they fell behind early, uh, rallied back, got a little better in the second period, tied the game, headed into the third, and then Philip Forsberg took the game over, scored the goal to give the Predators the lead, and also uh, scored one of the filthiest goals uh, I've ever seen in the playoffs just walking through Sam Girard, and frankly, I think he might have given him the upper body injury that he hasn't been able to play with over the past couple. I think he just twisted his back and just was like, uh, he might have snapped his back. I I'm mean, not gonna it lie. was absolutely ridiculous. It was easily one of the best goals we've seen in the last few years in the playoffs or even in the regular season. It doesn't matter. You know, that you that's some, you know, between the legs type, you know, dangle, whatever the hell he did that you do in practice just to screw around, not even around a defenseman. And then to pull it off full speed in a playoff game is unheard of. And against his former teammate, I know, just for a short time, but still, you know, just uh, made the young guy guy look awful, uh, awful new. So yeah, Forsberg went between his own legs, had the wherewithal to tap it between Gerard's around legs around him. Yeah, get get possession of the puck again, fire it past Bernier. Uh, and really, the most impressive part of that, you see it in slow motion a lot, but when he was moving at full speed like yeah. that, like to be able to control it, moving at full speed like that is absolutely insane and yeah so that that first game you know the, the opening the start was concerning but then they the Predators looked like they woke up in the third period took the game over Forsberg got two goals uh, Sissons added the empty netter Preds won five to two I was that was encouraging I was like okay well they turned it on and maybe we'll see more of that throughout the course of th over, throughout the course of the series uh, that was not the case but before before we move on to game two, I do want to say because he's taken a lot of criticism, undue or otherwise, in the past twenty four hours or so, Rene was excellent in game one, because when they got off that slow start, it could have been easily three nothing Avs like it was in game four. But he was he was holding a minute. Uh, he had a toe save, I believe, on McKinnon late in the first period. Uh, he robbed McKinnon on a two on one with a beautiful glove save, and then he robbed Rantanen after Rantanen went right down the middle of uh, Ekholm and Subban on a breakaway. Another toe, toe save. So, Rene took a lot of heat, but he really kept the team in it. 
when they were down in game one, uh, and then he helped them seal that win. So I you can't move on to game two without giving him some credit. Yeah, I mean, you can't discount uh, the fact that just today he was named a Vesna Trophy finalist, and by all accounts, he's a, probably the front runner for the Vesna Trophy. You know, Vasilevsky faded late. And uh, third guy was, I don't even remember who the third guy was because he's going to finish in third in the voting. Connor Hellebuck. Thank you, Connor Hellebuck. But Pecorine, stellar in game one after giving up that early goal, showing he can bounce back and really win a game for the team after, uh, you know, they kind of let him down early. And uh, like you said, that that kind of becomes a theme moving forward. Hopefully all of Nashville will start listening to this podcast instead of to the radio because most of the call-ins to local radio are just saying that it's time to play Soros, which is just unheard of. That's what they do every single time that Rene has one, two bad games in a row, two bad periods in a row. They say, well, it might be time for UC Saros, who has not, you know, he's going to be good. He's a great tandem goalie with Rene there, but UC Saros is, would not be a Vesna candidate as a starter right now. He's the guy that you have to, you know, Rene's the guy you have to roll with, regardless of what the idiots calling into the radio say. It's just absurdity that they're calling in, what, three weeks ago saying he needs to win the Hart Trophy. And he needs to be considered for it. And now they're turning on him so quickly after just it's two probably games. the I mean, exact same people. I'm I, not that's kidding. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, that's absurd. So hopefully they start listening to this podcast instead of just to the radio because they need to learn themselves some something. Yeah. We is smart. Listen. <laughs> listen to this podcast. But no, I, I have oh, I have some thoughts on Renee's performance and then obviously Saro's performances, performance in relief last night. We'll get to that game three. The only other note I had from game one was the Johansson hit on Tyson Berry in that game. Uh, I know some Avs fans and media and players were calling for a suspension there. It looked bad in real time. Then slow-mo, I think the league kind of ruled that Johansson kept his elbow in. He There was no malicious intent there. He was just kind of cruising through, managed to keep his elbow down, and the main point of contact was not with the head. Barry hit his head, but it was after he did a bit of a pirouette on the way down. So, yeah, I, I didn't think that that really needed to be suspended. It w- after the Dowdy suspension, which we'll get into later, I thought maybe there was a chance he'd get suspended, but it didn't surprise me that there was no discipline. I know the Avs weren't happy with that, but obviously they're not going to be happy with that. No, listen, it's the playoffs. Obviously it's going to be chippy and a little more violent. The hits are going to be bigger. There's going to be more of them. And, you know, we're going to get into a couple suspensions later and go in depth about that. But on the Johansson hit, you know, there's certainly no malicious intent. He didn't run him. He didn't leave his feet. He did nothing that warranted a suspension. Uh, and I think the league got that one right for sure. Yeah, and then and that, like I said, that uh, it was it was close. Don't get me wrong, but again, he he did he, Johansson did all the right things so as to to avoid the hit in that situation, and and it paid off because he he obviously didn't get fined or or suspended. Um, just move on to game two quickly here. Another slow start by the Predators. The Avalanche got on the board. I think like two and a half minutes in after a defensive zone turnover. But the Predators, they took back control in the in the second period. They scored three straight goals, took a 3-1 lead. Uh, McKinnon did McKinnon things to, to make it a one-goal game again. Austin Watson, first-round draft pick, the toothless wonder, mm-hmm. Austin Watson, with a, with another beautiful snipe. He had one in Game 2, another one in uh, Game 1, and then he had another one in Game 2. And uh, so he's rolling in these playoffs. Again, I'll, I'll get to him when we discuss Game 3, but... The Predators made that one a little too close, but at the time, I, that wasn't too bothered by that because not a lot of that game was played at 5-on-5. Five five. The second period, it was both teams were in the box for at least like half the period, it felt yeah. like. I mean, there was no 5-on-5. Five five, there was no flow to that game whatsoever. It was uh, one penalty after the other one where there was a power play, 4-on-4, four four, penalty kill. There was just no flow, so that one didn't really bother me when when the Predators couldn't quite put away the Avalanche in that one. Yeah, two. I mean, two things to go off of there. First of all, I love that kind of player, the first round guy that ends up being a fourth line grinder in the league because he never quite lives up to the potential, but he shows flashes of that offensive, you know, brilliance that that made him such a high pick. I love that kind of player. I can't think of any more off the top of my head, but. Uh, I think I think like Ryan Hartman might have been. I'm I'm just making this up, but I I do love that. And then um and then the five on five thing is huge. I I saw the stats. I think yesterday, um uh the uh the Avalanche coach was uh uh bringing it up. I don't even remember. Is it Bednar still? Yeah, Jared Bednar. Jared Bednar. He uh he 
said, uh, you know, we were out playing the five on five, and I was like, ah, I'm not so sure. And then one of the uh, the NHL, you know, insiders uh, tweeted out a, a stat line: the Avalanche have more zone time, five on five, more shots on goal, more scoring chances, and more goals, five on five, than the Predators do in those three games. All those, you know, so they just have to do better when they're not on the power play. Have they scored shorthanded yet? I don't even know. No, they have not. Okay, well, that would help, obviously, but they just have to do better when they're not on the power play. Everyone knows the Predators have a great power play with that defense, just ripping bombs from the point and all the talent they have uh, at forward, but they just need to get it figured out without uh, the man advantage. Well, well, my point was was then that those I know that what you're talking about, those numbers were after game three. So after game two, the Predators played pretty well five on five in game two they controlled a lot of the pace after the first 10 minutes of the first period at, at five on five there and they had more high danger chances more scoring chances but the the thing with that was uh, like I said there was no almost no five on five time side note about Austin Watson so I'll go ahead and I guess I'll go ahead and start gushing about him is like if I had one player that I ever got to interview if the Predators let me anywhere near a credential uh, would be what it would be it would be Austin Watson because a, a lot of first round guys they don't want to adapt their game if it's not working out right. for him at the NHL level so it wasn't working out for him he wasn't scoring the way he was in junior mm-hmm. he was not the same he just wasn't have this having that same success so he adapted his game became a fourth line guy penalty kill specialist just uh he, you know he dropped the gloves too and he was able to earn an NHL roster spot that way. So I admire his adaptability to be able to switch from maybe more of a scorer in junior to being more of a grinder in the NHL. I recently watched some of the best of mic'd up moments from the regular season. Yeah. And there was a he was taken. He was along with Patrick Lyonnais right before a faceoff, and uh, he told Lyonnais, "Hey, man, I used to be really good." And then Lyonnais goes, <laughs> Lyonnais goes. Well, what happened? He goes, I started fighting a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah. So, I admire Austin Watson for that, and he's been rewarded with an unreal year this year. I think he had, like, 14 goals this year, so he equaled number of teeth uh, with goals. So, um, but, yeah, he was, he's had a, he had a great year. Um, and he's he's been the Predators' most consistent performer. Those, those That's exactly games. the kind of guy you need in the playoffs. Is is someone you know those bottom six forwards that will grind it out and play the physical playoff game, but also contribute offensively and you know score the goals, which you know we know from juniors that he's able to, and we know from last year's playoff run and this season, and certainly to start the playoffs that he's able to be that contributor that all those Stanley Cup winners from the last you know five ten years have had. The guys who you know, aren't the big names with the big contracts, but have been able to contribute and score score those goals uh, when it really counts. Let me ask a que- uh, question real fast, uh, based on just these first three games. What's your thoughts on Mike Fisher? Because it's something that I've been uh, thinking about a lot, just his role this postseason, and it's tearing me apart what I think, but I want to see what you guys think about him and uh, if he might benefit from maybe, you know, s- switching line combos or something like that. Let me make one last point about these first two games, and then we will dive into game three, and I will give you my thoughts on Mike Fisher. (laughs) So my final point about the first two games, Predators obviously had home ice advantage, and that was a huge edge for them, not just because of the home crowd, but because Peter Laviolette got to match lines. Partway through game one, and I thought part of what turned that game was he stopped putting the Jofa line out against the McKinnon line. He put the Bonino line out with Watson and uh, Sissons, to defend the McKinnon line, and they did a fantastic job, far better than far better is. than any other line has yeah. to this point. Obviously, they did that in Game Two. McKinnon had success in Game Two, but again, if you look at the numbers at five on five, when Benino was out there with McKinnon, the Predators kind of held them in check to a degree. Um, obviously, he's going to get his because he's just that good of a player, but they they held him in check far better than anybody else has been able to. So now we shift the series to Game Three. Laviolette does not have control of that matchup because the Avalanche have last change. And the McKinnon line ran roughshod all over the Predators last night. It was brutal. Every time they got the puck, they did not give up possession until they either scored, uh, Rene smothered the puck, or puck got deflected up into the mesh because they they avoided the Benino line and the McKinnon line with Rantanen and Landis Cog ate the Predators up. 
Yeah, uh, full disclosure, I didn't watch a second of this game. Uh, the Devils Lucky were on you. at the same time. Uh, we'll get to that later. But uh, I saw I saw some highlights. You know, I, I saw some of uh, the the you know extracurriculars out there. The Subban thing, the Benino thing. I saw some of the goals. But uh, from by all accounts, from from Twitter and from you know just uh, being in the city and hearing uh, hearing how you know what everyone's reaction was. Uh, just kind of a horrible defensive effort. Is that is that a fair assessment or? Uh, that was a very fair assessment. <laughs> just so that that's just what it sounded like. Not much defense being played, and uh, they said uh, lackluster was a term being thrown around when we we're talking about the effort the Preds put forward. So obviously not what you need in this stage of uh, of a series. Whoever used the term lackluster was a very kind soul. Con- is that is a that very polite? kind way of putting it? Um, yeah. So. To get more into the specifics of, of Game 2, the Avalanche didn't... They wasted less time in Game 3. They scored a minute and a half in this time. Um, and then that was a good indication of how the... At least they were kind enough to miss one shot yeah, they before score, it yeah, went in. Yeah, they did score on their first shot. Boys, it was the progress. second shot. That's progress. That is progress. But yeah, that was a pretty good indication of how the night was going to go defensively. Uh, Johansson and Yossi kind of gave the Avs a little too much room in the corner. And then they kicked a pass out to Como right in front of Rene. Forsberg didn't try to lift his stick, didn't try to body him up, didn't try to do anything. Como with the perfect kind of redirection tip bar down over Rene, nothing he could do. Um, and that was uh, that was how the entire game went. So to talk about the, the defensive effort there, especially in the first period, the Predators were given, they were letting the Avalanche do whatever the hell they wanted in the defensive end. They were giving them the outside. They were letting them kind of pass and move along the outside of the offensive zone. And if you're going to take away the middle of the ice, I've got no problem with that. If you defend the slot well, I've got no problem with making that was just kind of letting them skate around the outside. That's not what happened. Uh, The Predators somehow didn't defend the outside and didn't defend the inside, uh, and they got burnt because the passes to the slot, loose pucks in the slot just burnt them all night long. But so no, it was it was it, would, part, it was right? charm it would, it was charm and soft defense all night. It was soft as baby shit. I'll say it, like it, both mentally and physically, because they got they got they got pushed around. The Avs won puck battles on the boards all night. Gabriel Bork, ladies and gentlemen, Gabriel Bork. Let Remember? me reemphasize this. Remember one more Gabriel time. Bork? Gabriel Bork. I think it's Gabriel. The guy. I think he's French. Gabriel Bork. Gabriel. I made that up. I have no idea. Uh-huh. Ray I don't Bork's know. Kid? You want me to look that up? You want me to? No, no it's not okay. important okay. enough. Well, that's all right. But no, this guy, fourth line guy for the Avalanche, is outworking the Predators on the boards. That's how the second goal happened. Just outwork guys on the boards. Outwork Alexei Emlin in front of the net. Got a tip. The beat Rene. That was that was about the Predators' night right there, which is getting outworked. Avalanche won every race to every loose puck. Um, and the Predators just were, they were overmatched in the defensive end. And I can't believe I'm saying that considering their, their top four is that good. So the message going into Game Four is what? Work harder. So it's is that about uh, it? it's don't Focus. be idiots. It's maybe don't be play idiots. some defense. I love it. I love it. You sound like my hockey coaches growing up. No, I mean I think they need to take away time and space for sure. They gave the Avalanche too much respect when the Avalanche had the puck in the offensive zone. They kind of backed off. They would they would bump them, but they wouldn't. I mean they they were not very aggressive. Um, yeah, they just gave them too much respect, too much time and space, and and the Avalanche. Used every bit of that to their advantage. So, is it time to hit the panic button yet? Well, no, it is not. Okay. Um, like it's not like it's okay to be livid as a Predators fan after that. I was sure. definitely livid last night. I, I was furious, you. but it's not time to be worried yet. Um, I'll give this team one more game. I'll give them Game Four. If they drop Game Four and they look that bad again, then I get nervous. Then I start to get nervous. So yeah, I'll panic. I'll get nervous. If if they look to give up the same putrid effort in game four they did in game three, then then it's time to to worry about this team. But until then, I'm I'm not terribly worried. Uh, and to to revisit Martin's point about about Mike Fisher, and again, let me just say that he's a very handsome man, <laughs> and I love him for everything that he's done for this Nashville Predators organization. He's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, and his his wife is lovely. She's great. Great. Just great. Great. All that said, it was another rough night for Mike Fisher. Another rough night. He, on the third avalanche goal, he had the puck in the neutral zone and got stripped of the puck by Gabriel Landeskog. Okay, 
fair enough. Top line guy for the Avalanche. Great two-way fourth player. Line, fourth Captain. line guy for the Predators and Mike Fisher. Uh, what I left out there was that Gabriel Landeskog was on his fucking knees. Uh, <laughs> and, and he was about two feet behind Mike Fisher at the time. So he just reached out, lifted Mike Fisher's stick like it was nothing, turned, got up off his knees, sprung Nathan McKinnon on a breakaway, and McKinnon scored. So all that said, Mike Fisher, since he's been in the lineup, has looked slow. He looks like he's maybe not ready for playoff hockey. So once Callie Yarncrook is healthy, which God please be tomorrow, then Mike Fisher needs to be scratched. And I get it. You didn't bring him in to scratch him. You didn't bring him in, but you also didn't bring him in to, you know, struggle in the postseason. So I love Mike Fisher. I know why the Predators brought him in. I respect that. But if you're looking to ice the best lineup possible, Mike Fisher is not part of that. Well, he looks like he took 10 months off of hockey. <laughs> and he, yeah, yeah, and then he and then he jumped back in late in the season, yeah. and he hasn't had a, a lot of time to acclimate, and then now he's in the playoffs. I mean, so, to be fair, that was a that's a prorated deal. It's like getting a free player back at the deadline and a heart and soul guy, you know, um, the, the captain from last year's run, and uh, you know, so I, I think that's very much a locker room move. You, you know, you you don't expect him to be in the form he was last year, especially again, like Martin said, after all that time off. But you know, it's just someone to be that extra veteran voice in the locker room. That along with uh, big body play, hev- that heavy hockey is what I really <laughs> is what I really <laughs> love uh, love about the playoffs. So th- those are the things that you really need. And yeah, like I I I get it. Mike Fisher, definitely a heart and soul guy. But like I said, if you're if you're looking to put your best four lines out there, he's just not a part of that right now. So going back, you said you are Team Kelly Arncroft coming in this series. Oh, I'm 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 huge. Get him back as soon as possible, especially because this team looks like it needs some kind of boost on on defense right now. And he's he's one of the best two up forwards. He's one of the smartest guys we have in the defensive end. Plus, he just add a lot more speed that Fisher can't provide anymore. And Colorado's a fast team. They you know they might might not have the depth or anything, but one thing you don't need uh, you know you you need to be fast to play in the NHL. Everyone in the NHL is fairly fast if they're a young guy and that's a young team. Uh maybe not all the talent in the world after the first one and a third lines, but you know, that's a fast team and you need someone that can keep up. Well, that was going to be my follow-up question is who does he replace? Does he replace Fish or does he replace someone else in the in the lineup? What's your thoughts? I would say replace Fish and then you can put you don't maybe want to break up that Bonino Watson Sissons line. Unfortunately, you've got like three guys that could play center on that line. That's not even unfortunate is, or is unfortunate. So maybe you just let Yarny and Hartman on the same line. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, Yarncroke, Hartman, Salamaki isn't is that is far from a bad fourth line. That's a pretty good fourth line. I would absolutely take that. Uh, and then if you wanted to give Hartnell a shot, I don't see why not after that game. Salamaki's been fine, but he's also. He's been kind of math too. So if it's between Hardnell and Fisher, in my mind, I want Hardnell because Hardnell has been he's he's scored goals this year, which is something the Fisher just has not done, and he seems like he's a little bit more composed than Fisher at this well, point. Well, no, I agree. I th- I would rather have Hardnell on it too. Um, like you said, I think he provides a little bit more, especially down low in front of the net too. He's not fast. <laughs> no, but neither is not Fisher. Fast, no, but, but neither is Fisher. Um, and then to to get to as we start to wrap things up on Game Three here. As far as the Rene discussion go, Rene versus Saros discussion goes, we've talked about the first few goals. Yeah, it'd be nice for Rene to make a save on Nathan McKinnon on a breakaway. But let's review what I just said there. Nathan McKinnon on a breakaway. He is an MVP candidate. There's exactly one person in the league that's going to ever catch him on the breakaway on defense. So, you know, you need your goalie in there, and Rene is the guy that's going to make that yeah. stop. With, with, you know, just all kinds of space, all kinds of speed, just he had all day. No one even remotely close to him put any kind of pressure on him on the breakaway. So it was a, it was a score for him. And, and then uh, the fourth goal given up. Turris can't play the puck in front of the net. It bounces over his stick, bounces through his legs. McKinnon picks it up right in the slot. And he goes up high. And again, it's another shot. Hits the post. Hits the crossbar. Goes in. Like, another perfect shot. Like, Rene, like, what is he going to do? And then you bring Saros in. And Saros faced a few quality shots, but not the volume or the degree that Rene faced through his first, you know, for the first period and a half. Saros, and let's not forget that in that third period, for at least 10 minutes of that period, all Colorado was doing was icing. So it's pretty easy to post a good number in relief when the other team is just icing the puck. 
every 30 seconds. So, you know, you can call for Saros all you want. Bottom line is Vez- Rene has been a Vezina candidate all year. He's going to win the Vezina. He's not a candidate. He's going to win it. And he's been your guy all year. The Predators hung him out to dry like a like a fucking towel in the sun in the sunlight. I saw that on Twitter from somewhere, but that's not necessarily original. People say hung out like a towel to dry like a towel right. all the time. But but yeah, he's been quote Austin Nivison. Hung out like a towel to dry. Original original thought. Something you do with a wet towel. What well, I mean what he <laughs> <laughs> You're an ass. <laughs> yeah, anyways the Predators gave him no no help whatsoever, and it, you can't blame Rene for what happened no. last night. It, you're going to get dumbasses that look at the box score, and they're like, oh, Rene gave up four goals. Why the hell do and Saros didn't give, give up any? Why, did, why don't we put Saros in game four? Uh, because there's a little thing called context that you need to have to understand why Rene gave up four and Saros gave up zero, and that was because the Predators – at least tried to squeeze their head out of their asses after Saros came in the game and play some defense and and play with the puck in the avalanche end. And so Saros had a, had a much easier night than Rene did for sure. Um, but yeah, in closing there, panic button, no. I'll say if they if they get dominated again in game four, locate the panic button. Know where it is. Know, know, know where you put the panic button. Get the codes. Find yeah, the codes yeah. Get, for the, that get one. the codes. Get the codes. Find your panic button. Whatever you need to do. Yeah. Um, but I, I still wouldn't press it. But I think hopefully they come out with some jump in game four because the past two games, also they've taken 18 penalties. The Predators have. Saw that from Robbie Stanley of NHL.com today. So Shout out Robbie Stanley. That's 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 not an ideal number to take against a and the Predators penalty kill has been fairly good, but you can't keep putting this team on the power play and also it kills your own momentum. So if you're like for instance. The Predators had that five on three. They scored the first goal. Johansson got the Predators on the board. Couldn't convert on the five on four. That's fine. But then Bonino goes in and takes. He acted like he didn't do it, but it was very clearly an elbow to the head of the Avalanche player. And that killed all the momentum. Avalanche got the power play. They didn't score, but again, the Predators, their their flow was interrupted. Their momentum was interrupted by that Avalanche power play. And then toward the end of the second period, the Predators started to kind of let the Avalanche get in their head, and we can discuss the P.K. Subban punch now. Like, he's a great player. He doesn't need to do shit like that. He doesn't need to punch guys in the back of the fucking head. Yeah, like, I mean, stop. He's a fiery guy. He's going to do stuff like that, you know, all the time just because he, he wants to win. He's a big personality, and that kind of translates into into how he plays. And then how about him coming out after, unless this is a misquote, saying he'd do it again? Oh, my God. I love that guy. Yeah, he said he'd do it again. I'm like... Dude, like Damn I'm right, not. You do I look. I, I like. It. Look, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'll be upfront, and this sounds super critical now, but I like honesty from players. But sometimes, to quote, I uh, can't remember the actor's name from Pineapple, Pineapple Express. Have some fucking discretion. Have some discretion. <laughs> like, don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. And just be like, look, I got cut up. It was a. I was a. Tempers were flaring. Made a mistake, whatever. Because, like, he could have gotten suspended for that. Like, if, if the NHL wanted to, they could have given him a game. He hit him in the back of the head when he wasn't looking. The NHL definitely could have given him, like, a game for that. And God knows, with the way the defense has been playing, losing P.K. Subban, that's that's only going to just magnify the issues. Yeah. You said that quote, and now I'm just trying to think of what actor said it. It was Craig Robinson's partner in crime there. They're in Danny McBride's house, and Craig Robinson shoots Danny McBride. And the guys, he's from, uh, there's a, he was on another sitcom. Ah, oh, see, now, I, now I'm now I'm forgetting. Now I'm drawing blanks Damn on it. both names of sitcoms and the guy. But, yeah, they, Craig Robinson shoots Danny McBride, and this guy's like, have some discretion, have some fucking discretion. I will find this for you okay. as your producer. All right, thank you very much. Let's shout out to a producer, Martin, not fired after the last episode, after all. Mostly uh, because he's the only person we know with access to very nice recording equipment. And also probably the only person willing to do this. Yeah, so. that also, yeah. I'm yeah. just really glad to be here, you guys. Thanks <laughs> he so was, much. He was on a very short list of one people. <laughs> um, and, but yeah, so game four adjustments. What do the players need to do in game four to make sure that that shit doesn't happen again? I would say maybe stop talking about starting fast and getting off to a good start and just fucking do it because they've said that after game one and game two they're like we need to get off to better starts we need to play faster right off the jump and yet Colorado's come out and they've 
That's actually gotten worse on their starts. Colorado has actually scored quicker and quicker. You know what? Just spot Colorado a one-only. Just before the first, before the opening faceoff, you should be like, look, we surrender one goal. We we forfeit a goal. To Colorado, we'll start in a one-zero hole. That way, I don't have to watch it at least, because all it does is all it serves to do is piss me off, and <laughs> and that I don't I don't need that kind of stress in my life. So, just allow Colorado to to have a one-zero lead before the opening face-off and get that the hell out of the way. But yeah, they absolutely need to stop talking about it. Hey, don't talk about it. Be about it. How about that, Martin? Kevin Corrigan. Yes. Kevin yes. Cor- yes. Kevin yes. Corrigan. Thank he God. was in. He was in the uh, the sitcom Grounded for Life. Yes, that's what which I was, was an of. underrated sitcom. I agree. I've never heard of that. My holy, life. holy monkeys! That was a great, great. It actually, TV was show. I enjoyed? I enjoyed that quite a bit. It's fantastic. But, but yes, thank you. That that was driving me crazy. I'm glad you looked. That's why. That's why we pay you the big bucks, Martin. Hey, but keep keep those dollars coming, and I'll be I'll be back. <laughs> all, all those sponsor dollars, but uh, I mean, to your point, I forget what your points were because now I'm stuck on Pineapple Express. <laughs> So, so starting I think, fast. I think don't, we, don't talk about start it. Fast. Don't talk oh, about okay. it. Be about it. Thank you. So, um, I mean, they say they're saying all the right things. Obviously, the the storylines from all the games they hear it in the media. You know, from all directions. You know, they're starting slow. Their avalanche starts so much faster. So they say all the right things, but it just has to start in the locker room, from the coaches, from the leadership. They just have to get the guys ready to start a game. And and just just make it happen, and and that that's that's all they need just to do. Just make it happen. Just make it just happen. Just make it happen. Just do it. Shout out Nike, sponsor the pod. Yeah, so they need to be obviously more disciplined too. Stop taking so many dumb penalties. But I'll tell you how much of an idiot I am. Go ahead, Martin. Oh, I've just got. I've no, no, we'll we'll listen to you talk about how big of an come, idiot you come are back all to, day. You said idiot, and I got really excited. Let's, okay, let's hear that first. Here's here's how big of an idiot I am, and I tweeted this out today too. Uh, Chris Martell from Fox Sports Tennessee is in Denver. And uh, he was covering the Predators practice today. He noted that they were flying around out there, very up-tempo, still a positive attitude, and they were really on each other about making sure they, they had a, a good tempo and a good effort in practice, and they looked really good, really sharp, really crisp out there. And my idiot brain was like, oh, the Avalanche better watch out in game four. We are looking sharp today, baby. And I was like, and I saw so a tweet, I was like, I was like, after seeing this, I th- my brain automatically goes blowout win game four preds come home up three one favorite this tweet so that I can so that you can just like call me out when the avalanche score like a minute into into game four yeah it's it's what you really want but it's probably not gonna happen yeah that's see that's yeah. that's the thing is like I my I don't know if it's my head I think my heart just can be fooled into things. It, it's like when you are golfing and you go to the driving range before you're round and you're killing it on the range. You know, you're you're flying them out there. Oh, and then baby, I'm hot today. Oh, baby, I'm hot today. Whee! And she hits a ball into the fucking water. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Caddyshack. But no, and so they're, so they're going to, I mean, you're, you're nervous that they had such a high flying practice because if, you know, hockey players, big golfers, you know, yeah. so... So you never know how the game's going to turn out because if you have a great range day, you're guaranteed to uh, shoot many, many shots over par. That's just facts. So, so if we're let's let's live in your dream world where you just read Chris Martell's tweet and you were all excited and you think it's going to be a blowout win. Who's your both of you? Who's your X factor for Game Four? Who do you think is going to be that guy who's going to get us there? I think it's going to be Pecorino. He's going to have a bounce back game after not that he again not that he had a bad game, but just after you know he's a prideful guy. He's a guy that really hates losing, and he if he bounces back and makes a couple huge saves early, that's going to you know galvanize the boys and just uh, you know you can't understate what a big deal is to know that your goalie is going to make the save at the other end. Off of that, I'm very curious if we can make it and. This seems sad, but if we can make it five minutes without them scoring a goal, but they are peppering them on, and Pekka saving them left and right, what is that going to do for that game? I mean, that's just going to be insane. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. That's just going to be insanity, seeing that happen. If we can hold them, you know, without a goal for the first ten minutes of the first period, that would be outstanding. Well, that's yeah, that would be a huge W. For well, us. I mean, yes, yes, but like now, I'm just so used to them scoring at the beginning. Like now, yeah, I mean, no, I agree. I'm going to be like. Man, it's going pretty well going right great. now. They could be out shooting us twenty to nothing, but they haven't scored yet. And we're like, "Wow, great start so far." Um, X factor. 
Oh yeah. So do I, can I? Is is it only one that I get? Can I get two, please? Go with two. Okay. That's fine. Right, it's your, also, sh- your show, buddy. <laughs> it's an X factor and a Y factor. You're damn right it is. <laughs> um. So uh, the two that I have are w- one is going to be the second line. That's going to be one X factor because they've been pretty quiet in the series outside of Fiala's goal, power play goal in game two. Kyle Turris has struggled, especially against the McKinnon line. I think that's the line that they're targeting for the McKinnon line in Denver because they can't quite seem to defend that line very well. So that second line is going to have to step up. Craig Smith is going to have to do something. Uh, he's going to have to get involved in the series. So if that second line starts to pick it up, the Predators, uh, they can they can start to pull away from the avalanche. The second one that I've got is the man we've already discussed this evening, P.K. Subban. While I don't love him punching people in the back of the head and then saying he would do it again if given the opportunity, or do it again if you know if his situation was the same or something like that. You're wrong. He's awesome. Um, no, I agree. I'm a PK Subban stan. I have defended him all year when he turns the puck over once, you know, one time in a game, and people behind me are like, "Oh, Subban overrated." It's like he he's like he's one of the best defensemen in the league. But yeah, yeah he's going to finish I, top I, I ten thought, in Norris I thought, Yeah, I thought he crossed the line and then he kind of doubled down on it, which is. I guess to a degree you respect that. It's like, well, he's, he didn't shy away from it. But but no, I think while I don't necessarily agree with all of it, I think he plays pretty well when he's got an edge and he's got a chip on his shoulder uh-huh. and hopefully comes out uh, with a purpose on in game four. Um, I'm going to go ahead and call it right now. I think he has a goal and assist in game four. Uh, plays pretty well defensive end. So um, I think he'll be an X factor for the team. Alrighty. Took, took 39 minutes for Ricky to tell you you were wrong. 39? 39 minutes. That's pretty good. I'm slipping, good. guys. That's impressive. Well, with that, well, now that we know where we're at with time, let's move on to the round of the league and get to what Ricky has been anxiously awaiting. The New Jersey Devils got the first win of the series. Yeah, baby. Got their first win of the Andrew series. NJ versus everyone. Hashtag NJ versus everybody. Against, uh, against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And the one, the uh, before you get into it, the one takeaway that I have is that Taylor Hall is for the Devils what Nathan McKinnon is. For, for the Avalanche, if the re- not the more the, so, the rest of the team around him isn't the rest of maybe the rest <laughs> of the team around him isn't quite as good. But when he's on the ice, Taylor Hall is the best player on the ice. He was all world in Game Three. He was incredible. I mean, just he scores the goal in front of the home fans, his first home playoff goal of his career. And you his saw first, it first. Oh yeah, that's because he scored on the road too, didn't he? He that's scored. Right. Yeah, he scored in each game. I think. I'm, I don't know. But, um, I mean, just the passion you saw when he scored, the crowd erupts, everyone goes nuts, you know, the game-tying goal there. Um, it, it was just, I mean, it. he's so much better than everyone else on the team. He stands out more than anyone except maybe McDavid in Edmonton. Um, he, I think he stands out more than McKinnon in, you know, Colorado, not, you know, MVP race aside. And it's just, you know, I, I kind of called, I mean, exactly one person in the world, a coworker, knows that I called the Devils winning last night. And it was just because, you know, you get Schneider in goal, you get the goalie changed, you know. I need the receipts. I need to contact this coworker. You? Okay, shout out Dr. B. Um, y- you get Schneider in goal, a guy with legit playoff experience on, on winning teams, even, you know, in Vancouver, even if he wasn't the starter. Uh, at all times his first playoff start I think in five years and uh, you know he showed up he was huge he he made some crazy saves you know a little bit of luck involved but a lot of you know positioning and skill you get Marcus Johansson back after missing 30 whatever games he did with a concussion and he's obviously an offensive talent that they've been missing that just adds to that depth you take out Mirko Mueller on defense, who's been a bit of a liability. You know, he's up and down from the minors for the year, healthy scratch all the time. And um, you take out, you know, for Johansson, they took out Grabner, the pickup at the deadline, who just, he just hasn't gelled, unfortunately. I'm not sure he'll be back. Um, I think he's in a contract year. I don't think they bring him back just because he just hasn't fit somehow with all that speed and everything. It took him 10 games to get a, a point for them after the trade and, you know, he's been flying, but not really getting anything done. So I think that was a great coaching move, and uh, the Devils are still screwed. They're certainly not going to win the series, but it was nice to see him gut out a win where, you know, except for that, those seven and a half minutes that they ripped those three goals, they were kind of outplayed again, you know, as they have been all series. So, 
Well, that that was my that was my question for you was did game three change anything for you? Were you are you feeling more were you feeling more confident after game three? Or are you still like this is probably gonna be a five game six game at most series? Well, I was incredibly nervous after game two, obviously going down two nothing. But again, it's what's the the old oh by the way I found my uh thing that I hate about the playoffs the cliche. It's a uh, well you know it's it's uh. You're not in trouble until you lose at home. That's no, what being it is. down 2-0 is actually pretty bad. It's actually bad. If <laughs> you lose both games on the road to start a series, you're still down 2-0. It doesn't matter where the games were played. You're, you are down, in fact, two games to none. But, you know, they got the one back uh, to be only down 2-1. I wouldn't be shocked if they lost game game four there and then you know went back and lost in tampa again or maybe you know they lose game four and squeak one out in tampa but i still think it's six games at the most if not five just because uh unless they really turned it around with the switches that they made for a game three um and the schneider can really steal another game for him it's it's going to be five at you know probably five games so much like the you win the predators i did not get to watch too much of devil's lightning how did Corey schneider look in his first start of the series i mean he, he was solid he was fine um you know a couple uh, both goals really they weren't necessarily his fault but you know they're they weren't exactly uh they're makeable saves but you know it's there's not much you can do and then um you know again there, there was some points where he was flaying around the puck was hitting him and that's where the luck comes in but uh he's still you know when he's on his game he's an all-world goalie he's top 10 in the league for sure and you know he he kind of came to play so that's uh that's really what you're looking for at least for the goalie to keep you in the game which he certainly did any more any any more thoughts on the series or the way nope that's it devils are going to be out uh in the next week and i'm going to be sad but then I guess I have to pick up on the Predators because, you know, who else am I going to watch? And also you're on a Predators podcast. Uh, I just I mean, just I guess. But, yeah, no, you can just just watch whatever. I'm, I'll, I'll watch the Predators. You can, once the Devils are off, you just be our – I don't want to talk uh, about you, it You'd be our resident wire expert. You talk about the wire every week or something. I don't know. Well, I've never seen the wire. Me neither. Um, that was just an example. Okay. But, anyways, so moving on from, from Ricky's Devils. We've got. Uh, we'll we'll get into the suspensions that have been laid down so far this postseason. Uh, Drew Doughty got one game for a hit to the head of William Carrier mm-hmm. or Carrier. I don't know if he's French. I, so I don't know I if I need Carrier. to say the R or if I need to say it A. Hey, so I don't know if hey, he's. I have no idea. Hey, Just we're we're allowed. Conf- we have to do soft soft R. We all Carrier. We have Just rules. say it confidently, and nobody will know the difference. All right, we're gonna cut that. So Drew Doughty's <laughs> hit on William Carrier. <laughs> Got him a game suspension. Uh, it, he it was kind of awkward. He kind of hit him with like his back, kind of. He kind of like leapt into him with his back as he's going coming across. And yeah, that was that was odd. But I agree. I think the I think the main point of contact, the target there, was the head. So yeah. I do think it it probably deserved a game. It's very similar to the Johansson hit, except for the hit to the head. Um, and you know we've seen that hit so many times since they started cracking down a couple years ago. It's suspended a couple games every time. You basically cut it in half for the playoffs. And so I think the league had no choice but to suspend him on that one just because that they have to stay consistent. I think that was a, a well-deserved suspension. He did his one game. He came back. They lost again anyway. So, you know, what are you going to do? Well-deserved. Well-deserved. Congratulations, Drew. And then the other one was the Kadri one, right? Yeah. Let's. Yeah. Let's. So we kind of are in agreement that yeah, Jesus. the point of contact was was Christ. the head on on the Dowdy and 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 yeah, like you know, Dowdy deserved a game, but. It is. It pales in in comparison to Nazem Kadri's hit. Oh my God! On, uh, was it Tommy Wingles? Yeah, it was yeah, Tommy, Tommy Wingles. Wingles. Shout out Miami, Ohio. And nobody cares. And <laughs> that guy's got a family. You need to <laughs> need to check in on them. <laughs> well, I was. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was. Wingles. I was just saying nobody cares about Miami, Ohio. Not Tommy oh, no, Wingles. No, 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 like no, I no, care I'm about saying, Tommy Wingles. I'm, I'm we concerned for Tommy Wingles. Tommy Wingles. I also have a family. <laughs> nobody cares. Um, <laughs> But no, yeah, so I'll say what every other person in the greater New England area has already sca- said about that hit. It's a scumbag piece of shit hit. Nazem Kadri saw Wingles was not only down on his knees, but turned away facing the boards. Kadri didn't try to let up. In fact, he jumped into him and slammed his butt <laughs> right in the face of, right in the head of, of Wingles and slammed his head in the boards. Like, uh, 
yeah, when and what do you th- what do you so what are your thoughts on the hit? And what do you think about the three game? Uh, what is it? Yeah, three games. Three games. I mean, three games at least. That that was one of the most ridiculous plays I've seen. I mean, it it's not up there with a Bertuzzi or a Matt Cook or some of those ridiculous ones. Yeah, but no, he, he didn't try to kill anyone on ice, but it but it was probably right below that. It yeah. was it was right below. It was like a tier below for sure. I mean, it's not like Wingles had just gotten down to his knees. He'd been there. He was facing the boards clearly. Kadri like saw him, keyed in, took three strides, and drove him when he was as unprotect- unprotected as you could possibly be, you know, in, in a hockey play. And just, I, it's like, what are you thinking, dude? It, he, there's no excuse for it from a safety perspective. And also, I'm I'm sure he's sorry about the hit, but he's gotta just feel awful like for what he's doing to his teammates. That's a 30 goal scorer taken out of the lineup for three games in a series that you're, you know, you're down 2-0. I know they won game three, but it's just, there's no excuse, you know, to do that in the playoffs just because of the disadvantage it puts your team at also. It's just a boneheaded play, and, and there's, you know, no room for it. Yeah, like, and I know that I, th- I believe earlier in the play he got elbowed, but that is not, that is not a, a, a an even response. That is not a... Uh no. That's not that's not that's not a fair reciprocation. Uh, driving somebody's head into the boards with your ass after he uh, after he maybe elbowed you a little bit. Um, and the, my first thought when he got three games was not enough. My first that was my that was my initial thought, but then I gave it some more thought, and I thought one of two things will happen in this situation: either the Bruins will win the next three games, and the series will be over, and that'll be it for Nazem Kadri's season. And like you said, he'll feel like a real piece of shit that he wasn't there to help his team stay in the series. Or, which is what happened, the Leafs have won at least one of those games where he's been suspended, and the series shifts back to Boston, and Nazem Kadri has to show his face in Boston again. And I hope that mutant seven-foot <laughs> Ivan Drago-looking son-of-a-bitch Zdeno Chara gets his ass and ragdolls him in a fight. So yeah, that's that's what I'm looking for. I mean, a guy to. can dream. I don't see it happening because Kadri's not a fighter. He's just uh, a sucker puncher type guy. That's what but, I've been waiting for since the playoffs started, and I didn't even know I was waiting for it. <laughs> but that's what I've been waiting for. Trying to just throw Dino, someone around a little bit. Yeah, no, Chara. Yeah, throwing around Nazem Kadri. Specifically, Nazem Kadri, or just yeah, anyone. That's what I wanted. Okay, that is all right. what I wanted. Oh yeah, he's. Oh yeah, he. That guy. If he wanted to, he could. He could probably chuck Kadri into about the third row. Probably. I'm so excited! I can't wait. So yeah, we'll see, see how the Bruins. We'll see how the Bruins and, and their fans handle that one. I'm sure uh, they'll handle it very gracefully, as they do. Uh, as Boston is as want Boston, to do. <laughs> as Boston has a reputation with the grace to do. and class of a Boston sports fan. Base. But no, he, he doesn't deserve it to be handled with grace and class. So do whatever you want, Boston. Well, not anything. Don't don't maybe don't kill him, but yeah, I mean, don't kill on. him. But let's just or but be make for great TV though. Who knows? Heyo ratings. Uh, but no, if the NSA, NSA is listening, we do not want them to kill We do not Kadri. want any murder. Uh, moving on, how, what, what time are we at right now, Mine. We are at 52 minutes. 52 minutes. Plenty of time. So the next thing I want to talk about here is so the, kind of the biggest surprises for you guys so far this postseason. Uh, I got a no-brainer. What, uh, the Vegas thing? Absolutely. Yes. That There's no question that that's the obvious one. I mean, everyone is picking... LA to win or get series to go six or seven or whatever it is. And here is Vegas again. I, I will say it, you know, again, like I did last episode, I've been betting against him all year. Everyone you has, you know, before the season, everyone was like last in the Pacific, you know, they're going to be a long ways from being a contender. They win the division, you know, they, they win home ice in the first round, maybe the second, I don't know. And then they, they just, it's close games, but they're outplaying L.A. every game from what I can tell. I've only watched about two periods a game, but what, from what I can see, they're outplaying them, and they're just, you know, it's, it's not it's not really that close, give, even with the score. Yeah, I've I've noted, and it, what blows me away every time I watch Vegas play, like I thought their speed would win out over Los Angeles' physicality or You're right. heaviness. Um, is so I, But I thought that would take more of a longer series to do. They've done it so far in three games. Um, I think it, it went to so just for an example, game two went into double overtime. Almost, almost needed a third overtime yeah. for that game to end. The only reason that Vegas didn't actually 
blow the doors off of Los Angeles in regulation was because Jonathan Quick was absolutely outstanding in right. net for the Kings. And I don't think, I may be wrong on this, but I think they got, Los Angeles didn't get their 30th shot on goal until sometime in the second overtime. Like, that is insane. And Vegas was just peppering Jonathan Quick all night. They just had the legs. They, you know, they're they're a well conditioned team. They can play at that high pace all game. And L.A., you know, if they look tired, it's just because they're older and they're just, you know, they're they're a slower team. They just are. So there's not much you can say about that. The, the two th- the two things that blow me away when I watch them is a how well coached Vegas is. They play that system are, so and, incredibly. And that was my ne- that was my next point was they are so structured. I'll allow it. Thank you. They are so structured, they do not break from that system. They when they, they support the puck as well as any team in the league. They know exactly where the other players, they, if they're in trouble with the puck, they know exactly where their teammate's going to be. If they're in the corner and they have their back turned to the slot, they know exactly where their teammate is going to be. They don't even really need to take much of a look to get to the puck to the slot to get a scoring opportunity. They are so well coached by Gerard Gallant, and they are so structured, and they play their system so incredibly well better than any other team in the league plays their system it's unbelievable to watch when i see them yeah and i mean you know to talk a little bit more about awards just very briefly gallant is going to be the runaway favorite for the jack adams for coach of the year for sure uh, i think i think for sure john Hines for the devils is up there and i think is it bednar is the other one yeah so i mean they those are two coaches that got their teams into the playoffs when no one expected they would but then there's Gallant, who got his team a division crown and about to win a first-round series in their first year as a as a professional sports franchise. That's that's no question. He's going to run away with it. So they are currently undefeated in franchise history. That is insanity in the playoffs. Yeah, that's see that's it's up there with insanity. like a team that wins the first game of a baseball season and they go, oh, we're we're one sixty-two and zero. Here we go. He's on pace for <laughs> or a guy who hits a home run. And he's like, oh, he's on pace for one hundred sixty-two homers. Here we go. But this is also insane. Whether I'm, no matter where you had, you didn't think they would start off. I didn't think they started two zero. No, no, I know. I I thought I mean, it was just it's insane. Yeah, I thought it'd be extremely back and forth, trading game after game. I did not think it would play out the way it has, and. The other series in the Pacific is on the verge of a sweep as well. That's kind of surprising, too. I thought that was going to be a long series between the Sharks and the Ducks. But the Sharks have absolutely, to quote Ryan Whitney of Spit and Chicklets, uh, shit-pumped the Anaheim Ducks in that series. They hung an eight spot on them last Get, night. They when's won the last time you one. saw that in the playoffs? A win by seven goals in a playoff game. What are they even doing against a division rival? A series that was supposed to be close. Again, six or seven games because those Pacific teams are allegedly very close together and San Jose is just they're shit pumping them. That's the only word to use. It's incredible. It's I mean, especially that last game. There's just there's nothing else to say. It's stunning. Yeah, it's been it's been no contest. And it's been something to watch. I tell you what, last night I was furious at the Predators. I was fuming. I was like, it can't get any worse than this shit. And I flip over to the, the Ducks-Sharks game. I'm like, oh, well. I was well. like, well, maybe we don't have it so bad here in Nashville. <laughs> Can you imagine being a Ducks fan after the game? I don't know where you go from there. I, you just kind of throw in the towel and you say it's over. I, it's just, just nothing yeah, you can do. Yeah, especially with that core that they have now. So they, they lost... You know, obviously in the first round to Nashville a couple of years ago, lost they're in the conference old. final last year, and now they're about to get swept in the opening round unless something drastic happens in game four. And, you know, that core is getting up there, and Kessler doesn't look any any better. He does. He's looked like he's, get, he's it's really wearing on him now. I mean, they went from a team with, you know, decent defensive, like actually like superb defensive depth. They trade uh Vatten into the Devils for Henrique just to build that uh center depth when they had all those injuries. They let Theodore go to uh Vegas in the expansion draft and he's a hot young prospect who's done an excellent, excellent job for Vegas this year. And now, you know, they're just you lose those two guys and you know, you're not so sure where the future of your defense is gonna go with uh you know, you have Fowler and those well, other yeah, guys. Yeah, it doesn't help that Lindholm, Fowler's been but, out he's been injured this entire right. season. So I but he's not gonna so. Prevent an eight to one yeah. beatdown. Ducks are in trouble. Win. Ducks are in trouble for sure. Not to weaken your point from earlier, but when was the last time we saw someone hang seven on someone in the postseason? April eleventh, twenty eighteen, when the Penguins did it to the Flyers. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I forgot about that. Speaking of that series, that I mean, they traded blowouts. It's incredible. It's back and forth with blowouts, and uh, that's it's 
it's been fun to watch, not for the reasons that I said it would be, but it's still, you know, it's kind of cool to see, you know, obviously you saw the Penguins win game one, you're like, oh shit, it's over, the Flyers aren't ready, the you know, Penguins yeah, have the... They- the the experience and the two cups back to back and then all of a sudden there here come the flyers in game two and you're like oh it's a series and then and back come the penguins like like game four is going to be a blast yeah you, either way you it's tough to get a gauge on any of these games um, I can see game four series. going to like overtime yeah. just because we yeah, have no idea what's going to happen it's tough to get a gauge on that one and I was like you I was very reactionary after game one I was like the penguins are going to sweep this one easy and r- the final note that we have here on the list is uh, I sarcastically wrote capture your question mark. Um, and as we sit here and record this, they, they are in yet another overtime game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, the Capitals need to get the winning goal here in overtime to avoid going down 3-0. Um, to be honest with you, I kind of hope that if they that the Blue Jackets score while we're uh, finishing up this recording so that we can Ooh. we can get the death of the Washington Capitals live on air here. That, that yeah, was almost no, it right, right there. off the face off oh, right there. Man. Um, yeah, so so if they obviously if they don't make it out of this round, if the, the that being the, them being the Capitals, the Barry Trotz is definitely gone. I was going to say his future is pretty short if they get out in this round. I I mean you say it's on the coach and he's going to get fired just because that's what you do is fire the coach. But at a certain point, it's the same core that's been there the whole time, and so, oh, you, something's got to give. I mean, you have all the pieces that you think you need you have you know a fairly solid defense a little aging um and in spots you have the all-world scorer you have the top flight center and backstrom um and you have some great you young guys like kuznetsov as a second line center has got all the talent in the world but just like where do you go they can't figure it out i don't know what it is Uh, yeah no i i agree but to 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 this point is the capitals haven't been bad they they've They've outplayed the Blue Jackets for long stretches in some of these games, but Sergei Bobrovsky, not to brag, said he was going to have a big series, has been unreal for the Blue Jackets. Um, he's kind of started to turn around the narrative that he can't perform in the playoffs. He's played well, and he's earned the Blue Jackets this 2-0 series lead. But th- the thing about the Capitals and you know, the question of are they going to do it as Winnipeg ices game four? They could take a 3-1 series lead. Just flipped over quick. And the thing about the Capitals is they've had two coaches that are widely regarded as good coaches that kind of have led them to these playoff disappointments in Bruce Boudreaux and now Barry Trotz. In the middle, you had was it Adam Oates. He was just Adam a Adam Oates, coach. and let's, let's not forget when, um, oh, what's that asshole's name that um, – that cheap shot Pierre Turgeon back in the day, Dale Hunter. The, oh yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah. He got sent packing back to the OHL to That's go back right. and coach the Knights just because he tried to make Ovechkin play defense. You like that was ever going to work? That's right. Yeah. So you've had two coaches in Boudreaux and and Trotz who who can't get the job done. So to your point, maybe it's the core. But then again, maybe it's a it, this is might be a chicken or the egg scenario because everywhere else they've been, Trotz in Nashville, while he didn't have the talent he has in Washington, couldn't get out of the second round. And Boudreaux, his teams have been are notorious for disappointing playoff performances. He got to the conference final out there with the Ducks uh, when the Blackhawks beat him. Right. And other than that, I mean, he's he's been pretty disappointing. Even with the Wild, too, it's been. Boudreaux's had the same story his whole career, also, where he can't just get it into the finals. Um, he just, you know, he's he's the youngest. He keeps hitting milestones. Youngest coach to this many wins and that many wins and. You know, if you can't make it to the finals, obviously I'm sure he has a lot more time if he's the youngest coach to do all this stuff. But, um, you know, at a certain point, you you got to say, you know, what's he doing? But um, I think when, when Trotsy inevitably inevitably gets fired. Stars um, or Flames, where do you think he's going? That's exactly what I was going to say. I think the Flames just got an opening today. The Stars with Hitchcock retiring, that's another option. Um, it's It's, you know, I think the Flames might be a better fit because they play a little more of a um, – a team game, a system game. Obviously, um, the the stars are known as a little more run and gun with their offensive talent. But you know, we, we'll see where Trotsy ends up. He's, I, he's still loved here in Nashville for for the years of service. So, yeah, here's I. Here, my prediction would be that he goes to the Stars for a couple reasons. One, you're wrong. You son of a bitch. One, I think Trotsy's getting up there in age. Mm-hmm. Um, I think time to start thinking about where you want to settle down. Everything like that, and, and bring your Canada. family, oh. and you well, you don't well. 
Why would well, not who the hell wants to live in Calgary, Alberta? For the rest of the days. I know he's from Canada. All of our but Calgary have you been fans dead, like, are have, going have to have you seen the weather in Dallas? After that comment, like, hmm, Dallas, where yeah, it gets kind of hot in the oh, summer, here's a dry heat. but it's it's never it's never a fucking blizzard uh, for like eight months out of the year, or Calgary, where it's you you have eleven months your, of snow. Your, your summer season is July, and then everywhere else is awful. Um, so I think you have to start thinking about where you want to end your career and maybe settle down. I think I, if I were him personally, Dallas would be the more appealing option there. But then again, I'm not from Canada. Maybe maybe I'm just a maybe I'm just a baby back bitch and I can't handle the cold weather. But I don't know. That's Let's true. take a real deep dive into the psyche of Barry Trotz to figure out <laughs> where his yeah. where it's his related destination moving, is. Moving 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 on. <laughs> Let's move moving on, on from, we, that moving one, on from the turn. from the psychological evaluation, the psychoanalysis of Barry Trotz and his uh, and his uh, late life decisions. Um, the other reason I think he would go there is just because. Um, Shit, what the fuck was my other point? I think he might go to Dallas because he has no neck. Well, oh, no, no, So no, he'd no. save a lot I've of money got, on no, scarves. I've got, no, I've got, okay, two reasons. You, ma- you make that Calgary, point. You make that point. He won't have to buy any scarves. Ken Plus, Hitch- he's got that bald head. Ken that Hitchcock. got to get cold. Ken Hitchcock. I'm sure. Yeah. Ken Hitchcock is remaining in Dallas as a consultant. He and Trotz are friends uh, from, obviously, Hitchcock's time, the division with the Blue Jackets and the and the Blues. He and Trotz are, are buddies. And also, Trotz has a no neck. And Ken Hitchcock has enough neck for two people, so maybe we, uh-huh. maybe we share the wealth a little bit with the neck. <laughs> That'd be so kind of Ken Hitchcock to do that. All right, <laughs> all right now Barry that we Trotz. cover the physiology of Barry Trotz, <laughs> <laughs> all right, I think I think we're getting to what we might want to wrap this up Let's here. Let's talk about his sex life. <laughs> <laughs> and for that, we welcome in Ricky's mom. Ricky, <laughs> God damn it! I think he's got like four kids, so three or four kids. Congrats so on the sex four times, sex um, at least. But no, uh, so anyways, now that we've covered every aspect of Barry Trotz's what's next for the love of God, anatomy what's next? and 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 <laughs> personal life. On that note, uh, well, let's let's wrap up with the Predators. So, what are our thoughts on Game Four? How do we feel about going into Game Four? Um, I've already talk, told you how I feel. My dumb brain thinks they're gonna get up. They're finally gonna put it together and play a full or close to a full sixty minutes as as you can in the playoffs against a. A team that's proven themselves to be a worthy adversary, um, and I think they're going to come oh, away with a win and, and bring bring a three one lead back to Nashville. I do think they are finally going to make good on their word to start strong. Thoughts on Game Four? Yeah, I I you'd hope so. I mean, it's so hard to tell just because history has just taught you that they're going to start slow again. They're saying all the right things. They just haven't acted on it. You know, the, they had their nice little fast practice. Congratulations, but. You know, it's it's just hey. a wait-and-see type thing. And f- sidebar, Columbus has almost scored like three times while we're saying all this. So, anyway, halfway through the first overtime. But, yeah, uh, you, you'd, you'd like them to come out and uh, just hold them. Just, knock, just don't get scored on. It's so easy to not get scored on in the first five minutes of an NHL game. As a professional NHL podcaster who doesn't make any money, I should know. It just don't get scored on in the first five minutes. I played. I've played way too much NHL to and I to not know right how easy it is to not get scored on the first five minutes. Well, granted, time moves like five times as fast in the video game, mm-hmm. but pretty 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 easy to not give up a goal in the first ten minutes or so. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I am going to live in your happy little world. Um, come on, come after on that tweet. My, we're not going to hang. On. I don't think we're going to hang open. a snowman on him. Uh, but I do think. I'm currently toying whether or not I want to say 6-1 or 7-1 for the record. Come on into this warm, fuzzy six place. 6-1 That is my, that is for my the, psyche. For the score for, for the, the win? game. Yeah. You think they're going to like just dominate them? Yeah. And I'm trying. Yeah. I'll say 6-1. I'll Look, say 6-1. I'm, I'm well aware. I'm setting myself up for a huge disappointment. Same. But right now, I'm Same. riding high. I feel good. Same. I'm, I'm going to live in your magic world. I think we're six well. 6-1. Score tomorrow. <laughs> Scores by, let's see. I'm also going to stick with your oh, Subban. I'm going to stick with Subban. I think RV. I think RV Pots uh, won. Are we writing this down? We should write this um, down. Well, it's going to be on. It's going to be on tape. So Craig, Craig oh, Smith. Wow. I'm not. I don't listen to these. Craig Smith. I think is going to get one as well. Uh, and then Ryan Hartman towards the end. Okay. Well, these will be very specific. Very those are at least four of the scores for tomorrow. Okay. You heard it here first. All right. Well. Um, 
I could I could just see that you're wrong coming up in no. your head right now. <laughs> it's not a you're wrong because you're just doing a hot take and you will be wrong, but I'm not going to say that you're going to be wrong. I I think we're below that. I think by saying you're not going to tell me that I'm going to be wrong, you just I'm told me I'm not going to tell gonna you you're going to be wrong, but I, I also love that this is only going to come out mere hours before the game and the most people are probably well, I say most people 13 of the 17 people that listen to this are probably going to listen to it maybe after the game. Is that the real number? So, to the 17 people. Is that the real I number? Mean, uh, I think it got like 35. The first one got like 35. 35. That's, that's, let's be honest. That's higher than I thought. Let's get that up to 70. Seven. Let's Come double. On. If we just keep doubling, that's, uh, that, isn't that? Uh, that's 280 in four episodes. Yeah. That that's, a, that's such a lie. It's that's math. Yes, that's not <laughs> No, it's 140. Jesus. No one here was a math major in college. But what yeah. I was going to say before I was rudely interrupted was <laughs> I think we're well below the overtimes quota uh, for the playoffs. At le- I mean, Columbus and Washington, obviously, I've gone three games in a row. But um, I think we're well below. I feel like last year there were so many more overtimes, one-goal games, and this year's all about blowouts. Not that I'm complaining. But I think the the other shoe is going to drop. Isn't that what they say? Is that the phrase? Yeah, the other shoe. Okay. Yes. Waiting for the other shoe to the, drop. The yes. other shoe is going to drop soon, and uh, I think we're going to get a couple more here to finish out these series. I think uh, Colorado and Nashville just might might hit overtime here. Yeah, in I game agree. Four. I, I'm going to need I'm going to need some some thrillers. God, I hope not, because that would that would really get the blood pressure yes, going a little. Yes, it would. Um, but yeah, I I kind of agree. I think it's been too many blowouts. Not enough. Not enough thrillers. Not enough thrillers in Manilas, uh, going into overtime and everything out. like that. So, <laughs> you keeping it in bitch. there. I'm keeping it in there. We're gonna do it. All right. I think. I think. It? I think that. I think. Well, I think I just did my mic drop joke for the podcast there. there um, Plus, I have to pee like right now. And uh, well, that's we can edit that out for sure. <laughs> I'm standing there too. <laughs> but uh, anyway. Thank you for listening to the sultry tones of our voice, grating as they may be. Um, and uh, let's hope hope to God the Predators uh, have finished out a series by the time we talk next. Let's, let's hope so. And as always, be sure to check out all of Austin's takes on his website, www.hockey615.com. Uh, and you can also check him out on the Twitters, which is where you probably found this podcast. But you can also talk with him and talk with us. Uh, give us any questions you might have for next week's episode. And that is at hockey underscore 615? Yes, hockey, it is. Hockey correct. underscore Hockey 615. underscore 615. That's correct. Yeah. So thank you for doing my job for me again, which I forgot to do. Hey, at least problem. you got your name in the in the beginning of it this that, time. So we're steps. working on it. Baby, baby steps. steps. One at a time. And also follow your boy at ricktweets19 uh, to listen or to read my idiot takes on my life. I don't talk about hockey as much as I should. Yep. Alrighty. Well, thank you guys and uh we'll we'll talk next week. Go Brad. Night.